0: The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards. The chickens are laying eggs again. We went for like two months without any. And then we went probably like three weeks where we were getting three or four. And the ones that we had purchased earlier this year, they were still, yeah, they still weren't producing anything. And then we did have a cold spell. I mean, we had highs in the 60s for a couple of days. And that's when they started kicking out more eggs. 40 Acres and a Fool. On demand. Download episodes at theblaze.com slash radio, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another episode this week of Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you for joining me. If this is your first time, I hope you hear a voice here of freedom, of liberty, of rational thinking from an American Muslim who loves his country and feels that it is my responsibility and our responsibility as Muslims for those of us inside the faith to reform the ideas that radicalize our faith followers. And if we don't do it, the free world will suffer. And the way to do that is to defeat the concept of the Islamic State. And every week to week, you and I together, for those of you who have been here before, confront those issues that no one else has the courage to. And today, I have the honor, the pleasure, the fortune of talking to you from Jerusalem, from Israel. I was honored to uh, be asked by uh, the American Conservative Union, a, I think the central leadership of much of the conservative movement in America, on whose board I sit, I was asked by them to join them on their first mission to Israel as an organization. And a small group of us have now spent three days, three to four days, sitting and talking with many like-minded individuals here in uh, Israel, in Jerusalem, and Tel Aviv. And, you know, we spent the time talking about the economics, the politics, socialism versus free markets, labor unions versus right to work, health care, universal coverage, single-payer versus multi-payer, salaried versus private practice, all the issues that we take for granted as being part of the American political structure. But I learned quickly this week that in Israel, the primary concern While they certainly do have their left and their right, that seems to be driven on a security issue versus many of the issues that define left and right in America. Now, on this program, I'm not going to spend my time getting into much of those issues with you. We are about reform, and especially in the limited time that you and I have together, I want to talk to you about the faith experience here in Israel, about the influence of jihadism on the Palestinian community and about my experience here in a place in which if you look at history, if you look at the time of Abraham, Moses, Jesus, Muhammad, this should be a city that brings unity, a city that brings peace, a city that brings freedom and a sense of the ability for all to share in the pleasure and the wonderment of the spirituality of their relationship with God. But unfortunately, the radical Islamists have, whenever possible, sought to operationalize their desire to, and politicize their desire to take away the recognition of the State of Israel, In exchange for the principles of Islam that exist here in this, probably the most, one of the most beautiful cities on the planet. And beauty because of its history, because of its, the narrative, the story that it tells just by walking through the narrow streets. Seeing a a people, both Jewish and Arabic, Palestinian, Muslim, and Christian. And of all different cultures here that come here to be closer to their roots whatever those roots may be and well obviously our trip with the American Conservative Union is intended to as conservatives understand better the state of Israel understand better the people of Israel and understand better why it is that the left has abandoned in many ways Israel and misses some of the core ideological threats existential threats to the state that have existed and I think there is no better metaphor there is no better story that tells ...of why Israel is so misunderstood globally. And I say this as a devout Muslim. And I will tell you, I have been demonized in my work, number one... ...because of perceptions or misperceptions of my position on the state of Israel. Why is that? A couple of reasons. One is the inordinate, disproportional influence of the Palestinian leadership in America on the Muslim community. If you look at the Imams across the country in mosques, uh, the percent of Imams who have a Palestinian origin and bias is just profound compared to the normal distribution in the Muslim population. Secondly, is my work within the House of Islam as we seek to address the core issues that need reform is simply based out of love for my faith is simply based out of love for my country is simply based out of the feeling that theocracy and Islamic state identity is the problem that radicalizes all Muslims that come in the way of that idea and the second part of what's happened to Israel and to Jerusalem is the fact that it's exploited. It is used as a tool. And that tool has begun with this concept of linkage. President Bill Clinton said at the time of the Oslo Accords and later, and actually as he left office, but from the time of the Oslo Accords and all the way to the end, he left office in 2000 with a statement in which he said, if there was a peace... Between the Israelis and the Palestinians 90% of terrorism would go away Bill Clinton said If there was a peace Between the Israelis and the Palestinians 90% of terrorism would go away That is just pure unadulterated insanity As Carolyn Glick would say And others have said unadulterated insanity are there problems that the Palestinians need and have had and need to be addressed from a human rights perspective sure there's problems but why do those exist at the hands of their own leadership in Gaza Hamas And it's radical ideology that prevents the religious freedom of anyone that doesn't agree with them. That has necessitated Israel to live in a security state that has been constantly threatened with intifadas, knife intifadas, vehicular jihad, and other attacks. I think... There is no better analysis that I've learned. Sitting here in Jerusalem, I have to tell you that I wanted to focus this week's podcast on Israel and on Jerusalem because I think within what I learned in these few days, and go to my Facebook page, you'll see some pictures and others. When we come back, I want to talk to you about the spiritual renewal that is possible for Muslims, not only in Mecca and Medina, but in Jerusalem. And what I saw, what I saw here, and this concept of linkage. Why the linkage? Why the propaganda from the Islamist governments and movements that somehow, if you solve this crisis, everything else of militancy goes away, which is nonsense. But why did they do that? This is Udi Jastron, reform this on the blaze, Radio Network, and we'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser, the Blaze Radio Network. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale
1: now at glennbeck.com/slash liars.
0: Reform this with Dr. Zudi Jasser.
1: This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. This week I am talking to you from Jerusalem, Israel. Jerusalem. And. It came back in the news a few weeks ago, after there was more violence on the Temple Mount. You and I had uh, I had spoken about it on some media. Can't remember if we spoke about it on this program or not. Uh, but uh, basically, what had happened is a couple police officers, uh, Israeli police officers, had been killed. Arms had come from inside the mosque, so the Israeli security, even though they give the control of the mosque that sits on that temple mount Al-Aqsa Mosque, the Jerusalem Mosque they give it to the Jordanian Muslim Waqf and that Waqf or Muslim trust or community foundation if you will, controls it and unfortunately it's not manned and controlled by rational, pro-Israel, pro-Jerusalem if you will, a unified, peaceful Jerusalem Muslims it's controlled by more Hamas thinking type types that really feel Jerusalem should only be the domain of Muslims. And I'll get to some of the details there in a, in a little bit. But this conflict that happened a few weeks ago, all of a sudden, Israel then, in order to maintain security for its own police, asked that magnetometers be put in. And the waqf said that's ridiculous an entrance into the mosque there should be no magnetometers they felt that was a religious affront came up with new fatwas or religious rulings about cameras and other nonsense and sure enough then it became as has been for the last uh, almost 70 years of Israel's existence Jerusalem has been one of the primary tools used to enrage the Islamist sympathizing Muslim population and you had a boiling Of a possible explosion That was about to happen in the community Netanyahu then Measured even though his response In the Israeli community was 80% in support Of increasing security measures Into the mosques He decided not to And we removed the magnetometers And is still taking some Political blowback from that And that in essence diffused the situation Abbas The claiming balance against Hamas. Claimed victory and his poll numbers go up. Netanyahu basically did the opposite of what a majority of his population wanted him to do. And his poll numbers go down. Now, I went there today. I had... If you look at the Temple Mount, on one side is the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall. And then beyond it is a wooden walkway that takes Muslims, non-Muslims, to the over the wall and into the platform upon which the Dome of the Rock rests and the Al-Aqsa Mosque, the Islamic structure of the museum. And that entire area over the Temple Mount. Now we can get into the history there. There have been two destructions of the Jewish Temple one BC, and the other. destroyed by the Babylonians in 586 uh, B.C.E. And it was reconstructed. The second was constructed in 516 B.C.E., but then destroyed again by the Roman Empire in 70 C.E. Now the Jews believe that it is there that the third and final temple will also be built. It's one of the holiest sites. It's the holiest site in Judaism and one of the holiest sites in Islam and Christianity with the Church of the Holy Sepulchre not far from there. And Muslims used to pray to Jerusalem. We believe that Muhammad has his, had his metaphorical or realistic, whichever we want to interpret it, the ascension to heaven from that mosque. the Dome of the Mosque was completed by the Dome of the Rock was completed by the Umayyad Caliphs who commissioned the construction of Al-Aqsa Mosque and the Dome of the Rock completed on 692 CE and you recall we've spoken that Muhammad the Prophet of Islam passed away in 633 CE the Al-Aqsa Mosque is on the far southern side of the Mount facing Mecca and the Dome of the Rock sits in the middle occupying or close to the area where the Holy Temple previously stood it's a very very contested site obviously because under the mosque right now is what was the Holy Temple for the Jewish tradition now I don't, you know listen we can talk about obviously the history there, it is what it is but why can't all three faiths visit now the muslim waqf there run by the jordanian government which hands it over to more intolerant islamists have and and i saw this myself i went to visit there were a few christians and jews there but they were only allowed to walk around not allowed to enter with no visiting areas in the mosque or visiting times now obviously they May not, you know, it may make sense not to have them there during the five times of prayer for Muslims during the day, just because of capacity issues and no need to observe directly during prayer. But why not allow them to visit and take a look? It seems un Islamic. And what's even more un Islamic, do you know that, and this is what just was unfathomable to me, do you know that Christians and Jews and anyone in that common area, in the platforms between the Dome of the Rock, the Al-Aqsa Mosque, and the Muslim area there, cannot be visibly praying. The Islamists believe that that will desecrate their holy area. Can you believe the, 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 the gall? The gall of Islamists who have built, historically, again, we're not going to revisit, relitigate the history. It is what it is, and it's there. But they have the gall having a mosque on top of a Jewish temple area, When the Jewish temple had been destroyed, now obviously it was destroyed in 70 CE, the Muslims didn't do it. But they built a mosque intentionally on top of that. Now there's a lot more history to it, and I don't want to get into debates with folks about whose history is right, whose is wrong. It just doesn't matter. We have to recognize that the wall right beneath that, on the West, is the holiest site in Judaism. We have to recognize that we as Muslims our holiest sites are Mecca and Medina. The prophet, yes, initially turned to pray to Jerusalem but then decided that out of the unity of a new faith a new faith that recognized a lot of commonalities with Jews and Christians but had some things that were new especially when it stood in comparison to some of the theology about Jesus the Trinity, salvation so as a result in order not to have conflict he asked the Muslims to pray towards Mecca the Kaaba and so Mecca, the Kaaba that mosque, the grand mosque became the holiest site in Islam and is just out of a symbolic unity the direction in which we Muslims pray every day five times a day Jerusalem still has significant significance to us theologically. And I have to tell you, as I walked into that mosque, I did feel something amazing. The history of the monotheistic traditions of the Abrahamic faiths of Judaism and Christianity and then Islam. The Islam that taught me that it is not my role, that it is not necessary for Muslims to convert Christians and Jews, that they, that we do not have an exclusivity in our faith, and that ultimately, even if we intermarry, that they are not to change their religion because they believe in the same God. Yes, there are some conflicts between Jews and Christians and Muslims described, battles even described in the Quran, but those are between specific tribes, not against the whole faith, because otherwise, why would God have told us not to change the faith of our spouse if we intermarry. And that we don't have an exclusivity on these beliefs and thus on heaven. And that we are not to argue with them. And yet, can you believe the thought crime, the thought crime that Islamists are instituting in an area in which The Israelis, if you talk to them, they just want Jerusalem to be respected by all the faiths, by all humanity. It is a crime that Islamists watch to see and ask you immediately. I can tell you when I spoke to the young guys sitting around the mosque there, when I spoke to them, first question, are you Muslim? as assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh I would tell them and they say oh welcome brother to the mosque what can, can we show you and give you a tour and they gave me a beautiful tour obviously trying to make a little money and also share some of their knowledge about a place that they serve but it's unfortunate that their ideology is intolerant they need reform from their leadership they should be just as welcoming to Jews and Christians and just as respectful of their prayers, who cares what the internal dynamic is of their prayer? Some of it, Some of our Islamic prayers are offensive to them. I went and prayed at the western wall. The Jewish community then asked me, "What are you saying?" It could be offensive to us in the Jewish community. Don't look like you're praying at the Western Wall. I think it is unfathomable to me that in the 21st century, a few yards from the only democracy in the Middle East, inside their democracy, actually, but a place that they've given to the Palestinians to control, is an area in which people are prevented from the appearance of praying. And you talk to rabbis, you talk to a member of the Knesset. He runs an organization. His name is Yehuda Klick, Glick on Jerusalem for Peace. And he'll tell you, well, I can go there, walk around, pray in my mind, and nobody will know. It breaks my heart. As I went there, I had the benefit of openly praying, of taking pictures of celebrating the spiritual connection with God. And unfortunately, one of the most religious places, spiritually significant historical places on the planet, is maligned by an Islamist theocratic mentality that we are dedicated in the Muslim reform movement to defeat and reform, because it is symbolic. It is symbolic of the disease that runs through the veins of too many Muslims. And that is political Islam or Islamism. Where possible they will try to control, they will try to control the thoughts, the practices, the type of Islam, the type of community of every Muslim in the world. In that battle there is no more nuclear ground zero of the battle against political Islam than on the Temple Mount. Luckily the most recent conflict was diffused by a compromising prime minister of Israel. But at some point, the Islamists are going to need to have, the Muslims are going to need to have an Arab awakening against their own Palestinian theocrats, against the mindset in the Jordanian-controlled waqf that continues, that continues to ignore the brotherhood and sisterhood of their Jewish brothers and sisters who want to live with them in harmony, in harmony in Jerusalem, in, in harmony in that place of peace, instead of in conflict and in constant derision, which is what the Islamists seek to do. This is Zudi Jasser. We'll be right back on Reform This.
0: You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser, the Blaze Radio Network.
1: This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. I've been talking to you about speaking to you from the Holy Lands, from Jerusalem, Israel. What that means to me as a Muslim, as a Muslim who not only loves my faith, but wants to see us redefine what Umma. Ummah means community. Now the Islamists want it to mean what it meant in the seventh century, which is faith community, Muslim community. But in the twenty first century, now post enlightenment, post-revolutions in which secular democracies like America are now superpowers free market superpowers teaching us that the best societies, the most innovative societies is a societal innovation in which we separate mosque and state that that societies bring out the best in humanity and marginalize the worst in humanity but unfortunately we have not we have not seen that evolution within the muslim community we have continued to be hijacked by islamists by theocrats who continue to dominate our community and refuse to see the light of reform and in my experience here in jerusalem this week i've witnessed the humanity of many of many faith no faith who come here to experience the history to experience the spirituality And I would ask my Muslim brothers and sisters to come here to learn about what it is we are doing wrong. Let's not blame everything on others. I mentioned to you in the first segment this concept of linkage. Linkage has been the bane of the State Department. The Arabists and the State Department have used the concept of linkage. What is linkage? Linkage is the concept that you link everything that is upsetting the Arabs, upsetting the Islamists, upsetting Muslims to the solution of the peace process and has been the bane of the existence of every president since the formation of Israel. And they all come into office saying, oh, if we fix the Israeli-Palestinian crisis, everything else will fall away. As Clinton said, I mentioned to you, 90% 90 of terror will go away. That is absurd. That is completely absurd. And the Islamists will link everything. They link Al-Aqsa Mosque and any changes from Israeli control to simply trying to open it up to all faiths, all humanity. So we need to redefine Ummah. Umma used to mean simply Muslim community, but our reform movement says, you know what? Since secular societies are better, since secular democracies give us the freedom to be truly more Muslim than an Islamic state that gives us one or only a few forms of Islam from which to pick, that we want to have a very personal faith with no clergy, that ultimately Ummah should mean the entire world's community, blind to faith. That's the only way to do it and and disavow and destroy the idea of the Islamic State. That's the only way to defeat the idea of jihad. And that's the only way that I see as I walked from the Dome of the Rock to Al-Aqsa Mosque over the Temple Mount from the Wailing Wall. I realized that we are one ummah. We are one community. Reformers need to wake up Muslims need to wake up that. Who is your ummah? At the end of the day, when you get sick, when you get hurt, is it only Muslims you'll turn to? If it is, good luck. I don't believe you're my brother or sister. If when you get hurt or sick, you're going to turn to your fellow countrymen, fellow global citizens of many countries that are free democracies to help you, just as we after the Barcelona attacks, went to help the Spanish. After the Paris attacks, helped the French. After the Boston attacks, the British came to help us, and others from across the world said they would help us and give us resources. After 9-11, on and on. That's what one Ummah is. And that's what I've been feeling walking in the holiest sight Go to my Facebook page this week if you have time. M Jasser, M Z U H D I J A S S E R, or M Z Jasser is my personal Facebook page. And look at the pictures, look at my commentary. There's so much to talk about regarding the Holy Land. But I can tell you if there's one thing that I think this area symbolizes the most is the corruption of the concept of linkage. There is no linkage. You find one problem, solve it. The Islamists will come up with another. Their entire momentum, their entire modus operandi is in order to put into place Islamic states and withdraw secular liberalism out of their way, secular democratic governments out of their way so that they can control the Muslim community. They'll do it by terror attacks in the West, and within their regimes, they'll do it by controlling the military, free speech, and other aspects within the governments they have control over. So in the areas in the West, they will use linkage in order to distract you, in order to distract and make Muslims into victims, and they'll find some cause of the day, and the the Israeli-Palestinian crisis has been... A a gift that keeps on giving to the Islamists to continue to say that they are victims of the Jewish conspiracy the Zionist conspiracy the control of this and that and meanwhile half a million Muslims die in Syria subjugation of Christians and other minorities millions more tens of thousands of Rohingya Muslims are now dying in Burma and that massacre and genocide continues by the Burmese government in Myanmar on and on across the world the Jews have nothing to do with it and yet the state of Israel has to somehow defend itself not only domestically and militarily from the threats of Hamas Hezbollah and others near its borders but globally ideologically from media That believes in this linkage. That will link anything and blame it on Israel. Simply because it had the gall to protect itself. And to spread the truth about what is... The source of the ideology of Hamas. Which is Islamist doctrine based on their charter. And others. So we need to begin to look within ourselves. To truly live up to the... The Islam I know would never have told people at the Temple Mount that are praying to God as they see fit, be it Jewish or Christian, how to pray, we would welcome into, to, in, in a respectful way to view our mosques, to look at the other historical sites in the area that they respect also. Never caring about what the prayer internally in their mind is, or if they happen to sway and look like they're praying, that is what is happening to the Jewish and Christian and other communities that go to visit the Temple Mount. This week, I have had the pleasure of not only being here, but getting to know folks in the Israeli leadership, in the NGO community, that have just been doing fantastic work. And so, because of the media obsession, and especially the left media obsession with the Palestinian cause, they told us about things that they're doing that are just unbelievable and should get so much more coverage in America. So, when we come back, I want to talk to you about what the left's narrative is doing in America and what is the reality about various organizations in Israel. And what we can do to change that. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This.
0: You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser, the Blaze Radio Network,
1: Matt Walsh. The cardinal sin in any relationship Is that the, the person would try to change you And you hear people complain about this In their relationships That oh, he, he tries to change me And that's a terrible thing Because you're already perfect Why should you improve yourself For the sake of someone else Your partner ought to just put up with it Because it comes with the you package
0: Matt Walsh Available on demand anytime At TheBlaze.com slash radio This is Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: This is Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. Before we finish our last segment, and thank you for being with me this week, I, I'm always humbled by the time that you give me. I want to tell you, you know, we always talk about prayers for those after a tragedy has happened. We see this huge storm, Category 5, coming on Florida now. Approaching Florida I may have approached Florida by the time you listen to this But All I can say is Now is the time to begin prayers We pray for our colleagues For our fellow Americans For the people in the Caribbean And others That God protect them That God prevent the loss of property And life and limb and other That we come together in prayer And then whatever may happen We come together in Rebuilding afterwards. Weather tragedies are always the great one of the great uniters, just as any threats on our existential threats to our countries, be it Israel or the United States. And prayer is always the best place to start and end. So this is a shout-out and prayer to those people affected by Hurricane Irma, be it in Florida, Georgia, South Carolina wherever it may strike. Now, I want to finish this week in telling you, you know, I, this, as as I talk to you from Jerusalem, I, I can't help but tell you how much of the story about Israel is just not told. How much of a normal Western democracy it is. Yes, it has its, its differences with other European or especially America. It has many more parties. It has a... a a parliamentary system in which elections end up happening every almost two years, a a prime minister who's the chief executive with a president and others. We learned uh, this few days about the economics. It's described as socialist, but yet it has uh, some more free market elements than you'd think in a socialist system. And I have to tell you that there are some folks doing some fantastic work Uh, in the freedom movement, if you will, here, for liberty, for free markets. I had the honor of speaking to Michael Eisenberg from uh, Startup Nation. Uh, He looks at startups and uh, helps uh, small new ideas become realities. And uh, uh, Israel is uh, one of the studies have shown by Pew, I believe, one of the happiest nations in the world. Secondary to uh, second only, I think, to a uh, country in Scandinavia, be it Sweden or Switzerland. I think Switzerland. Why is that? I think it's because they share a common culture, common identity, common history, common unity against significant threats to their existence, and every citizen is treated equally. Now, the Palestinians are not part of that citizenship. They live in Gaza and the West Bank and and have asked for their own leadership. In another place, we can talk about this so-called two-state solution. I say so-called because there's so many different variations of it. It's not really simply a two-state solution. And can a people ruled by Islamists, by theocrats, demand to form their own state when in fact their very existence is a threat to their neighbors? if they're not also run by Hamas. So it is, I think, as we look at Israel, there's another group, NGO Monitor, that I got to know. They monitor many of the NGOs and taught us today about how much of the link there is between anti-Semitic, anti-Israel funding of various far-left organizations in Europe with organizations in Israel. And that ultimately there are things that are just antithetical to being Jewish that are spread, and we see the UN passing legislation that is often very anti-Semitic and anti-Israel, Done on the name under the name of the UN, as we see as one of the, the world's biggest open jokes, is the amount of time spent by the UN on Israel and disproportionately compared to the crimes against humanity done in Syria and Iran and Afghanistan and Pakistan and in African countries, etc. And yet almost half of the UN's time is spent on Israel. It's absurd. We spoke to Simcha Rothman about the expertise of the legal system here and how activist the court system is in Israel. Peter Berkowitz from the Hoover Institute at Stanford. And so many others that I think will begin to build relationships between those who are liberty-minded, like-minded in Israel, and conservatives in in America, the American Conservative Union. And I've been honored to be a part of that. But, you know, the last thing I want to touch on with you today is this. What's happening with the left? You see, these old characters like Keith Ellison, the Democratic congressman from Minnesota, who's now vice chair or co-chair of the Democratic Party, Here's a guy who not only supported Bernie Sanders but has had a very pathologically Islamist bent in the lens in which he not only viewed the Israeli-Palestinian crisis but has supported the Saudis, has worked with the Muslim American Society, has done over 40 fundraisers for the Council on American-Islamic Relations, which is Hamas in the United States. So he now is a vice chair of the Democratic Party in exchange for trying to appease the far-left Linda Sorsour now is marching arm in arm. You and I talked about her a couple episodes ago. Here's a woman who has apologized for Sharia law in Saudi Arabia, who has continued to cry about Zionist conspiracies and that alt-right and all this other nonsense that even the CNN host, Jake Tapper, dismissed her as being a radical sympathizer. And yet, there's been no mea culpa. Even the New York Times published, actually, to their credit, an op-ed by Barry Weiss about the toxicity of the likes of Linda Sarsour and how could the women's movements who truly believe in feminism work with a woman who exploits her own faith community for, you know, even Hurricane Harvey. She was using that need for charity to advertise organizations that were actually PACs for helping groups that they feel even before they've been given any funds that are going to be exploited based on identity and discriminated against. So it was not money to go help with food, shelter, or or sustenance. It was money she was fundraising for her PAC just last week. Some Texas organizing fund, which was connected to farleftmoveon.org not a charity relief organization just a 501c3 that's the corruption of the left on and on the Islamists have been in bed with the anti-Israel portions of the left and the questions so many are asking and then I ask, you know listen I've talked to many in the rebellion in Syria and they, they look and they say you know what it's almost as if the the Israelis seem to get it more. And they start to look back and say, boy, we really, we really pegged the Israelis wrong through the lens of the Palestinians only. While they realize that their greatest allies are those fellow Democrats in the Middle East who believe in democracy. And Israel is right now the only ones. But if they seek democracy in Syria, if they seek democracy in Tunisia, if they seek startups in corporates, new corporations with ideas, if they seek startups in Egypt against their dictatorship, that at least they need to start to create relationships with fellow free market thinkers in Israel, fellow ideological, critical thinkers in Israel and its universities. Because the universities and the rest of the Middle East are not about critical thinking. They're not about journalism and liberal arts and and muscular liberalism. It's simply about following the regime and not asking the tough questions. So, that's, I think, the future. This is the first trip we had with the American Conservative Union to Israel. And I hope there'll be many more, if not every year but I think it is a sign that I've learned this is my second trip here and I learned so much more about again how the Islamists choose to malign and yeah they'll call me an Uncle Tom they'll, they'll dismiss my my work as apologetics without dealing with the substance. Yes, there are some substantive needs, substantive issues to be addressed for the Palestinians, but they need the leadership first to do it. And as Khaled Abutameh, a journalist here who writes frequently for a number of outlets and is a reporter who's talked to almost every leader in every part of Israel an Israeli Arab, he will tell you that the biggest problem is leadership. So the Muslim Reform Movement is about leadership. It's about leadership with the courage to state the truth. There are new media outlets coming up to state the truth. And we hope, and I hope I'm inspired to continue as I leave Jerusalem this week and get back to my country, the United States of America, which I hope to help strengthen and maintain that relationship with Israel, with all free thinkers in the Middle East, from Syria to Iraq to Iran, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and elsewhere to bring our faiths together in one ummah, in one humanity, and shed the cloak of theocracy, of hate, of supremacism. And the one I can work on is the one that has hijacked and poisoned the Islamic discourse, which is political Islam. Thank you, as always, for joining me. God bless you, and God bless America. This is Zudi Jaster on Reform This.
0: Reaching the fault lines of today, this is Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.